0: So on the last podcast we were talking about tinkly balls and today I have a bell of my bike actually tinkling away beneath me as I'm taking the sunrise cycle to meet this morning's guest who I'm going to get off my bike actually,
1: this
0: is really hard work actually, I'm, I'm going to try one more time, really quite a big hill a lot of uneven stones and um, I was supposed to be here, I kind of thought like I have to whisper because the sun is literally rising and it's, wow, um, I was supposed to be here at 6.30 to meet him but I didn't open my eyes until then because my alarm didn't go off. So I'm whew, cycling as fast and hard as I can at this gravel mountain to meet him. record today's episode on this beautiful rock at Punta Arabi. Oh my god, oh my god. Sorry, I've just caught sight of what is actually unfolding. Oh my god. Wow. <sighs> yeah. Um, well, it's cloudy. You might not have been able to see it actually physically coming out of the water. <sighs> Sorry, I'm getting my bike now. Um... But, that was worth, let's say, getting out of bed for. So today's guest is a man called, uh, Vinny. So you're about to meet him. I've known him for years, um, but strangely, um, he's a friend of a friend of mine in London, who kept suggesting that we meet because Vincent lived out here. And I didn't meet him until, unfortunately, the week before he was due to move back to London. And we met and we just hit it off in a way. Um, Yeah, just the hilarity that ensued um, was pretty epic. And we've remained firm friends ever since he left the island, which was probably maybe three or four years ago. Um, And I love him, I just love him so much. He makes me laugh like, so many people um, can't, Um, and the support he shows me in this world, yeah, it's pretty next level, so um, I'm really excited to be having him on today's podcast, but also um, to be meeting him in this spot is, we'll explain why we're meeting here, but I finally got my breath back and I can see him sitting there meditating, so I'm going to shut this down, and um, yeah, we'll be meeting him in a moment.
1: Reset Rebel, it's the Reset Rebel, it's the Reset Rebel, it's the Reset Rebel, coming to you every day.
0: Good morning, welcome back to the Reset Rebel with me, Joe Yule, and I've just had a rather hectic. Uh, cycle across the island, um, very sweaty. It is July. Um, I woke up slightly late this morning. I have to um, do a little bit of a confession session before we kick off today's podcast. Um, I was um, half an hour late waking up to come and meet this wonderful man um, that we're going to be speaking to very shortly um, for sunrise. And I'm actually sitting here, well, I'm sure we'll describe the scene together shortly, but um, watching. One of the most beautiful, beautiful scenes this morning. Very, very serene and calm waters. And um, it gives me great pleasure to um, introduce today's guest because we've been talking about doing this for uh, a long time. Let's put it that way. Um, so it's kind of a miracle that we're sitting on this wonderful piece of rock together this morning. Um, and it gives me, yeah, a lot of joy um, to introduce Vincent Clohersey, um from The World of Love, the creator. Good morning.
1: All right, treacle. <laughs> For anyone who's not cockney, that means good morning.
0: Well, I'm not cockney, so um, thank you for translating. That's uh, very kind of you. (laughs) I forgot about your uh, multilingual
1: tendencies. Thank you, yes. I speak many languages.
0: Yes, you do. That's very true. (laughs) The language of love.
1: (laughs) Is that two? That's number two. (laughs) Yes.
0: My favourite language, actually.
1: Well, let's stick with that then. Let's.
0: Mm. I mean, golly, it's not even (laughs) 7am. Steady on that. (laughs) Is that right?
1: Yes, well, it's always a time for love, Jo.
0: So they say. Yeah.
1: I say it too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't got my love watch on this morning. I sort of—it seems to have um, conked out in the night. That's why I was late.
1: <laughs> well, um, we'll make up for it.
0: I need to send it back to the love doctor. The watch, love doctor.
1: You do indeed. Yeah.
0: yeah. Could that be arranged?
1: Uh, I'm sure it can. Yeah. Just need to uh, wind you up.
0: Well, it doesn't take much, I can assure you.
1: Especially at seven o'clock in the morning.
0: <laughs> very little, I, can, I yeah. can confirm. Yeah, great. I think just cycling here like a lunatic, um, trying desperately to make sunrise when I knew it was kind of um, probably happening four minutes after I opened my eyes jo- was a challenge.
1: Very lucky because there's cloud on the horizon and just when she got here the sun peeked over the clouds so she actually made it for sunrise even though she was a slightly tardy that is very impressive joe
0: i'm always on time baby
1: yeah <laughs> always on <laughs> your time <laughs> do
0: you know what that's actually not true and um i am one of those like typical british people that i'm basically early for everything which in there. Is a thorough rarity. You do not find Unheard people on the island that are early for everything. But I get such fear about being late, even after five years being here, where everybody runs on a beaty time, which is basically always ten to fifteen minutes after the event occurs. Um, I yeah, I just I I really find it quite rude actually to turn up late to things.
1: Well, you're spending other people's time. If it was just like their money, so if you're fifteen minutes late, it's a bit like spending somebody's fifteen euros without asking them.
0: I. I Absolutely, wholly agree we put with you. you.
1: In charge of time, I've decided.
0: Oh, the universe. Yeah,
1: okay, <laughs> think big, Joe. <laughs> well, you know me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, all you people out there that are being late in this world, yeah, you're going to yeah. have me to answer to from now on.
1: I like it. Yeah, yeah and you will be punished accordingly
0: wow now you're really talking
1: yeah yeah that's (laughs) lit joe right up
0: (laughs) didn't we um so when we first originally um had our very first ever meeting
1: oh my
0: god you can even remember the date can you
1: i can't well um it was epic joe meeting you yeah i i broke a rib i think laughing so much (laughs) I i don't remember laughing that much with another human being it really was just magical yeah telamanca
0: H. At hostel, hostel, yeah, Telomancum, yeah. in that little, uh, that little bar on the end there, which is one of my favourites, actually, in yeah. that neck of the woods, isn't
1: that, And then we, um, we spoke about this, this venture of yours, the Reset Rebel, back then.
0: Well, at that point, this was going to be an actual radio station because you mm. know me; I like a big idea. Yeah, yeah. And Universal. at that point, <laughs> 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 this was going to be a global radio yeah, yeah, station yeah. called Reset yeah. Radio, which kind of. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a long story, really, how it all got born. I've never actually really explained it either, but it, it was going to be... It actually... It seems like I've actually got this opportunity. I may as well actually go into I've it, a teeny bit. Because I was out for a run, and um, I was listening to the new Daft Punk album, and it was a song with Giorgio Moroder talking about how he invented the synthesizer and the keyboard. And at this point when I was out for this run and I was listening to this story, I I suddenly just got this big ball of, like, joy in my chest, really, listening to this story. And it just, like, I felt so inspired listening to how he had done something, I suppose, which technically could have been a relatively minor invention in this world, but it actually blew up and became, like, one of the biggest things in music. And, obviously, he's a multi-millionaire. multi And I just thought... And rightly
1: so, I'd like to add.
0: absolutely, the guy's an absolute hero. Don't
1: grudge him a penny.
0: Not, not no. even slightly. No, that's absolutely right, Vincent. Thank you for, for pointing that out. Um, but the point is, I just thought, wouldn't it be great to have like a radio station uh, where you will get to listen to people's kind of inspiring stories and get to hear about how they got from A to B, i.e., how they made it big in music or as an actor or as a doctor or as a lawyer or as a dentist, or you know, so that people kind of starting out in this world, which is still a hell of a lot of people. And it's becoming harder to really create your own kind of like mark in this world. Um, Yeah, you would get to kind of really find out the nuts and bolts of people's journeys. So in that moment, I decided I was going to create this thing called Inspiradio. Like a talk radio station, um, but with music interwoven in between these stories. It wasn't a talk radio station at all, but it would have... Every two or three songs would be like one of these really amazing stories. And it wouldn't be a long story, it would be a short story. Then the longer version would go on the website and you could go to the webpage and hear these wonderful stories and listen to these podcasts so that's I'm probably just given someone a really great idea out yeah. anyway you know that, yeah. that, that, that's we'll still a, a millionaire possibility and
1: we do begrudge you every penny <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we might come and hurt you yeah. all right so just don't even go there and um, so that was kind of part of the the plan many 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 moons ago and I was told that the word inspiradio was cheesy and this concept wasn't going to work and blah, 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 blah. Lots of complications setting up a radio station in Ibiza. And then, you know, the idea moulded and changed and moulded and changed until we are actually making this podcast instead, which, which I'm loving. I'm really, really enjoying getting to meet people that work in wellness who are yeah. people that have discovered this island through various different wonderful means and paths and journeys and experience so how did you discover Ibiza
1: Vincent? Well, first I'd like to say um you've really found your groove in these podcasts Joe. I love listening to them and you 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 really come alive you're in your element when you're doing it so well done you. Well,
0: how did you I first
1: much. discover Ibiza?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to hear your story because you are quite a changed oh. man from the one that um, you tell me that you used to be, although I haven't met this version of
1: you, so no, I, I have I'm to take your you word haven't. for it. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be here with me if you had. <laughs> on this oh, rock yeah. alone
0: in the middle of the morning.
1: Yeah, in paradise. Um, so it started so, with uh, a, a girlfriend who invited me to join her on holiday in Lanzarote 2006, 2007. And I had never been to um, sort of holiday aisles in the sun. Um, it just wasn't part of my culture to go to like the Med or Costa del Sol or anything like that so we went to Lanzarote and we arrived in the evening and when I got up in the morning I went to get some oranges I love oranges and when I was walking out uh, in the street I got hit by this inner voice that just drew my attention to the environment and coming from Hackney which was cold, damp, dark miserable, violent just noisy really kind of like heavy energy I was in this beautiful place which is everyone's. if anyone's ever been to Lensway it's very flat so you get a lot of sky and it was a beautiful day even though it was kind of like the end of December and the sun was on me and this voice inside just said we need to get into this environment to thrive and I took note of that and when I went home I had a business which was based in London and it was location dependent so I changed the business to location independent and then um I That relationship had ended, and I met another person, and she had the same vision to live somewhere like uh, Lanzarote. And I wanted to originally go just in the winter, and I'd fly back every month. And um, it was just at a time when Joe's blowing creatures off of her skin. <laughs> Slightly attacked here. Joe's delicious <laughs> and, and bugs love her. Um, so, so I. I, I met somebody else who introduced me to the idea of Ibiza, <clears throat> which I scoffed at, Joe, because there had been a program on in the UK called uh, I think it was Brits Abroad or something like that, and it was by MTV.
0: Brandon Block on there.
1: It probably <laughs> hi Brandon. It probably was. <laughs> and um, and they were like Brits peasy having naked. yeah, kind of having sex, you know, in the gutter and and um, and I, so I scoffed at the idea, but then I looked into it and uh, on online and when I, what I discovered were all the things my heart and my soul and my spirit had been yearning for. And um, and so I decided without ever having visited Ibiza that I was going to emigrate and go and live in Ibiza. So we packed up. I packed all my stuff up uh, at my place in Hackney and moved to uh, Pool, the coast. And then we came here to have a quick weekend visit. And uh, we had a fight. And um, it's, it occurred to me that this was the end of the relationship. And um, and then I was on the beach in Agos Blancas about 1 o'clock at night, having had a few beers. And I was in turmoil because I wasn't sure whether I could move to a beach on my own. Didn't trust myself. With somebody else who could do it. On my own, I wasn't sure. And I was in the sea. I don't know if you've ever been to sagos Blancas. Uh, it's quite amazing, there's no hotels there. It's, uh, it's very dark, and this was in October. And I, um, I got in the water, took all my clothes off. It was the first time I'd ever been in the med. And um, I just kind of like put my hands up to the sky and said, give me a sign whether I should be here or not, whether I should move here or not. And then I looked down and the water around me, Joe, was electrified blue, which scared the hell out of me. I know now it's called bioluminescence, but back then I had no idea what it was. How drunk were you, Vincent? Very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, would say, I would say actually three or four beers in, so not too much mm. by my standards. A little bit whoopsied. By my standards, starting. Um, and I don't know if anyone on the islands have seen this before but it's really the most extraordinary phenomena where um, plankton um, becomes uh, luminescent because of mixing with oxygen and I took that as the sign that um, I was to, to come here and and this is where I was to be so I went home and about six months later moved to the island I didn't know anybody didn't know the language um, didn't have a job didn't know a place to stay but just I think for a lot of people there's a calling that you 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 listen to and you take and and I did that and I'm incredibly glad that I did because it transformed my entire existence.
0: Well, I'm incredibly glad you did as well because um, otherwise, well, I think we probably would have met. And the reason because of that is that we have a mutual friend, um, two mutual friends, in fact, in fact, probably more. Yeah. But definitely Rob and, and Alex um, Buck. Ale- Alex, Alex Buck. Hi, hi, boys. By yeah. the way, if you are listening,
1: two of the most extraordinary souls I've ever met gorgeous Uh, amazing human beings two of the finest yeah I love them Mm. yeah but they kept
0: suggesting when we were living here that we met up
1: particularly yes I think we connected before we met Mm. uh, through Facebook um, but we hadn't uh, we became friends but on Facebook we hadn't talked or messaged Mm. so it just kind of happened by um, our wonderful friend Amanda I believe
0: it might have did, did she not
1: she gifted you she, one of my co- one of her coaching sessions oh
0: yeah wasn't yeah. that after our round the island walk I think or one of her uh, round the island charity challenge jobs I think been. I might have stuck a ticket in a raffle somewhere right and um, pulled and out a little meeting of, <laughs> <Yeah>. of, well <laughs> what a lucky bugger I yeah.
1: am <laughs> <laughs> I look where you are now
0: <laughs> well actually I did find that session incredibly helpful and obviously told you all about this crazy mad hair idea I had and we decided that you were going to be the reverend. Because I'd always had this... So when I, I actually um, built a radio station many years ago at Carbon Bar in Marble Arch a PR company and so it was just after the bar had launched and it was kind of a bit of a kind of like a footballer's wide jobby I
1: remember it was hard to get into yeah
0: Yeah. it was quite a cool spot and it opened around about four o'clock and it was almost the death of me so for a month of my life I had to be there every day so I built up this radio station on one of these RSL restricted service license projects and it was a pop-up radio station on 87.7 FM (laughs) and (laughs) and the radius of the the radio station was supposed to be like within one or two miles radius of the of the mast, but unbeknownst to Ofcom, this thing was going for like eight, nine, ten miles around London in in every direction. So there was quite a lot of people who were listening to this radio station, which was really like my finest moment. And basically, for a month, all I really did from sort of 4 pm till it closed at like two, three, four in the morning um, was obviously put live DJs on air and who were actually DJing in the bar. But sort of drive time was like four till sort of seven really when the bar opened. And of course, there was nothing going on because there wasn't a lot of people in there. It was a new bar. So we had to kind of amuse ourselves, really, which of course involved making a lot of cocktails. And if people <laughs> were then given the secret word, they would then come in and get a free drink. So I basically spent a month in um, Carbon Bar of Marble Arch running this radio station, but drinking Sozo. very heavily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a whole month to the point where that's when I got into Bitcram yoga. And actually, that was actually the start of my yoga career, really, because the only way I found was the best reset button in the world was to go and do 90 minutes of hot yoga and sweat out, you know, buckets oh, of alcohol. mojitos. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, onto the floor of the, uh, the <laughs> studio <laughs> in the West End. Pretty paint, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, though, it worked. I was like a new woman by the time I arrived back at work. It was all gone.
1: Fantastic, Ready yeah. to begin again. Yeah, I never had that in London when I was a drinker. Yeah. What? Uh, yoga. Reset. Yeah, just, I, my reset was sleeping. That was the because uh, I was my own boss. I had the luxury of just being able to sleep for as long as I needed until the hangover diminished. Yeah, never, never yoga.
0: So, yeah, sleeping is definitely crucial to getting rid of any yeah. any uh, evil, evil hangover. But um, yeah, I think exercise for me. You know, I learnt that. You know, it's the last thing you want to do when you're hungover is go out and exercise or go to the gym or go to yoga or any of those things. Like you just think, oh, Be around give me a people. pizza. Give me a sofa and give me some crap TV. But actually, I mean, that is the thing for me that always made me feel 50 times worse. And I was very disciplined with my hangovers and would always go out and do some form of extreme exercise when hungover. Truly. Mm. Well, I think it just felt to me like it wasn't an option because I don't want to waste a day of my life sitting around on a sofa watching crap TV. I want to be out there making the most of all that this world has to offer because it's big.
1: It's big what's out there. And um, I really despise dive.
0: wasting wasting a day, and that's another reason why I don't really indulge in that kind of lifestyle so much here, because I don't want to spend a day sitting around, wasting my time, because there's just so much going on here, and it's so much fun. Um, why well,
1: I, I gave up drinking here in Ibiza.
0: That is exactly what I was alluding to, actually. Yeah, I think that's one of the most amazing things you've ever done.
1: Uh, truly. It was one of the healing aspects of the island, where, for me, I think if you're open you you can receive that type of healing and the experience that I had was connected to an an emotional pain that I had from uh, a traumatic childhood growing up in pubs in the East End and uh, my dad was a a problem drinker and also violent when he was really drunk and I connected to that uh, one day with a friend and it just poured out of me in a sobbing extraordinary like a fountain of just sorrow and grief and then from that moment i no longer needed to drink it no longer served this purpose of taking me away from my uncomfortable state because that uncomfortable state no longer existed and this is my understanding of addiction and addictive behavior is that we want to move away from how we feel so we do something that distracts us and often uh, drink drugs gambling sex shopping work social media helps us get away from that that uh, inherent natural feeling that we have, and mine was this underlying pain that I had, and um, <clears throat> it's been six years since I've, I've I've drunk, and I was a problem drinker, so I would. It, w- it wasn't so much that I was drinking regularly, but when I did drink, I didn't have an off switch, which meant I'd drink for twelve, eighteen hours, sometimes twenty-four hours. I mean, there were times in London where it started Friday and finished sort of Sunday night or Monday morning with all sorts of shenanigans so there was oh god
0: I do love a shenanigan <laughs> come on Vince especially if <laughs> Vincent no, e special. not on the record
1: <laughs> oh come on for, for real um, no Joe, I can't nothing springs to mind I
0: don't yeah. I, well even I can recount a couple of things you tell told me what about when um, you know, when Would you I kind I deny of deny all knowledge
1: <laughs> for the record my lad <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I have some representation here, please? <laughs> I'm afraid not. There's nobody yeah. uh, hiding nobody underneath got, the rocks this morning.
0: Maybe just a few trolls. Yeah. And um, the BFG. Just, well, just like, you know, um, just give us YouTube, a little okay. background there as to what you used to get up to whilst under the influence you didn't in, want to do. In, doing in Soho, there
1: are the most unbelievable drinking holes. Probably not there anymore. Gone, give Full us a of name. drag queens and drug dealers and sordid, just the worst of the worst. For wonderful places, I yeah. have to say. Yeah, but very, very dangerous couple of times i came very close to getting my face kicked in by very angry crazy people um and that was something that i kind of would do often once once the pubs and bars had closed i wanted to go on and invariably back then <clears throat> before there were 24-hour licenses yet to find really dodgy places and that's why i ended up um mm. six seven o'clock in the morning uh, drunk and off my face
0: um, and what was that really amazing cafe that used to stay open, like full of really
1: hot Italian guys? The diner place in Farringdon.
0: No, in um, in Soho, right in the middle of kind of like uh, it deepest darkest. No, it was like a little cafe. Was it called um, Bar Italia? Oh yes, yeah. Used to go there when I was about seventeen, eighteen. When I was at college, like after a night of clubbing, we'd go there and drink, sort of, kind of. In the cups of double espresso just to get like afterpie, home in the car it? without um, killing anyone. Yeah,
1: there'd be music on and people having a good time. Yeah, Best, strongest coffee
0: right. in the world that used to blow my head off before I used to drive home. I didn't used to really drink actually much back then. I used to get up to a bit of mischief. But I just needed a little kick up the bottom before driving home in the form of um, numerous cups of the strongest, finest, blackest filth I could get my hands on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that being coffee, w- by the way, w- just w- so we're clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which we're both still addicted to.
0: Well, that, you know as vices go I mean yeah. we've got a bag of grapes here which I must say are very succulent and round and juicy and delicious mm. thank you for bringing those what You're an welcome. absolute treat mm-hmm. enjoy this breakfast so, picnic so, so, has been so far
1: so here's the transformation of, of Ibiza it's, it's uh, 7 7.30 in the morning we're sat on a rock high above the sea the sea is flat as a mirror you could do coke off of it quite, <laughs> quite easily and, flat um, as a panacookan as mm. I like to call it and um and this would be the time when I'd be crawling around looking for another drink. And I'm, I'm I'm quite sure that if I hadn't come to Ibiza, if I hadn't had that healing, I would still be in that vibration. Mm. And it feels like a, 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 a an upgrade in my consciousness to have stopped drinking because it was it's a very dense, heavy um, activity if you're doing it in an unhealthy way, which I was. And now we're here. So I couldn't be further from... From that existence, happy, content, um, feeling spiritually connected.
0: I think there is something quite mega about coming to Ibiza to quit drinking. Now, that, for me, sounds like the biggest parody of all time, frankly. I mean, this was the place um, that I used to come in my 20s and, you know, just go absolutely chicken oriental from the moment I landed on this soil to the moment I used to leave and I'd go home a broken being and it'd take me like two weeks to get over it. So... You know when I moved here as a yoga teacher I was actually kind of petrified that it was all going to go a bit peak tong and I would actually get into mischief here when I that really wasn't why I was coming here and I was nervous I didn't trust myself like you said before that I would have the yeah the um, the balls really to stay sober and on my my, my path I was I was nervous very yeah. nervous
1: I'd, I'd come from um, the big using the big clubs in London the end fabric terminals. And also having a resident DJ, uh, or being a resident DJ in Covent Garden at the Gardening Club, and so yeah, and so and then my business was helping people get into nightclubs in London, and to get table reservations and get into the sort of London concierge, yeah, and and we did loads of promoting and all sorts of stuff, and so when I told people I was coming to Ibiza, it was like a natural, oh of course you are, it's just a natural step, uh, in the same direction, but. I was living here for three years, Joe, and I visited one club. In all those three years, and that was Amnesia, and I was the only person in there who was sober, uh, and wearing shorts. Funny enough, it's a strict policy, and somehow I always end up wagging um, my way. <laughs> that would have been in the past, and um, and and so I've only ever been to one club, and I've been to one club sober, and so it's it's kind of almost like against the culture of of Ibiza. But um, there's nothing there for me. I've, you know, I've experienced the euphoric feeling of being a DJ and being on a dance floor, and it just feels like there's there's no need to be in that environment with that um, like, um, kind of frequency. Mm-hmm. And the, so the say- island's given me all the other aspects of um, sobriety and um, a natural being, like being um, always conscious. Never, never unconscious, always present, always aware, always in the moment, always the generator of my own thought processes and feelings and emotions, never, never artificial.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I
1: think th- it is beautiful I'm fortunate to have that. and, um, and Ibiza f- offers you that, offers you that opportunity to step off, to reset, to get back to yourself, and then from there do the, the healing that you need to do.
0: I think if you don't take heed of the messages it's sending you in terms of like what your thing is that you have to kind of face up to while you're here, because this island will throw you in its washing machine cycle like a rag doll, really. And um, obviously, with the rhythm of quietness in the winter and the crazy hecticness of the summer, if you've got a little thing going on, a little issue that you're you know, your theme of life is that you're sort of supposed to conquer and solve within this lifetime, as we all do. <laughs> you might not work out what it is uh, any time soon, but, you know, if you've actually gotten to grips with what that little problem is um, and seen it in all its glory, this is the place where you basically have to crack on with um, with fixing it. And um, if you don't, you're only going to pick that up and take it with you wherever you go. So I think it's a great place to have a real look, a long, hard look um, at what's actually going on. And that sounds ridiculous in some ways but I don't think it is because I think here I've noticed patterns of behavior that more than I ever have anywhere else in the world Your own patterns of behavior um absolutely yeah absolutely I've seen things about myself which I've never noticed anywhere else because I've had time to yeah to actually see them from other people's perspectives and maybe much more awareness much more consciousness and much more um, ability to actually take a good long look at those things and want to change them and there's still many things many things that I'm working on but um, I think here is a place where you can really do some work on yourself and um, have the time and space to do that or make the time and space to do that if you're willing to partake. And there's a hell of a lot of people here that are not, you know. There's a lot of people um, probably still partying big time that don't really want to be. There's a lot of people living the kinds of lifestyles that they have brought with them and they haven't changed. And they, And I think that they would actually desperately like to, but a lot of people really don't know. I'm not putting myself or yourself, by the way, here on a pedestal, any description, you but I am saying... You there if you like. Uh, yeah, right you can just perch yeah. on that, yeah, that throne for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hello! Like David I'm up here. <laughs> You
1: know, I, I got some really great advice from a, a dear friend who, um, Kate, who, who recently passed away, unfortunately. She was a resident here for 25 years. And she said, um, people come to that uh, for two weeks, they're away from their, their world at home and they get to just enjoy let go release and party night after night and it can be regular folk from norfolk who uh will find themselves (laughs) norfolk and they'll find themselves drinking every night because they're on holiday and that's okay and they can do it and they'll have to get up for work and then they fall in love with the island and then they decide to to move here and they uh shut up shop and they sell everything and when they come over here they got bags of money uh, which is back in the day, bags of money in comparison to local prices, and um, they go back into that that holiday mood. And then they're making friends, so they're going out to parties, et cetera. And she said, and after three, three months, six months of this, they're either alcoholics, or they're hooked on cocaine or the drugs. And she just warned me, avoid that. Be really careful not to get sucked into that world. It's so easy, um, you know, in making friends, to always want to go to the parties and be seen and whatnot and and then you just get sucked into that culture of excess and party and being on holiday being in that holiday energy all year and then before you know it you're kind of trapped in a and there's a lot of lost souls here a lot of people who look like they got into that groove and haven't come out of it yet
0: uh i that's something we've never really mentioned on the podcast before and i think that i think because i'm i'm living in such a different rhythm this year Um, work wise I'm not flat out like I have been for the last three years running a retreat centre more or less single handedly which was a bloody ridiculous thing to have Mm. done but by god did I work hard and I didn't have time to notice anything including well I still did have quite a lot of time to notice what I'm like when I'm a stressed out nightmare Um, but you know that's one of my patterns but I think um, when I'm not this busy this year is um, fascinating actually And although I'm sort of, you know, there's part of me that sometimes when I'm not so busy, I'm thinking, God, should I still be here? Is this the place for me? I should go back to London. I should get a job. I should do this. I should do that. Actually, what I've come to notice actually in the last few days is that's the precise reason why I need to stay here for the rest of the summer to witness, to observe and to tune in to what it is that I notice about everybody else around me and the way I'm responding to that. Because there is a lot of lost souls here. There is a lot of people here that I think and possibly including myself in this, but maybe don't feel like they fit in anywhere mm-hmm. else in the world, and that's why they're here, mm. because um, it's easier to probably come here with any kind of um, aspiration and, and make it work in some ways. If you've got enough tenacity, I think, to plug away at something, this island will open its doors and will support you or lend its support um, temporarily until you've either figured out whether you're going to actually follow this through or not. Um, it is a land of opportunity in lots of ways and that obviously brings a lot of cowboys a lot of people kind of um,
1: charlatans and yeah yeah,
0: people perhaps not really um, being precisely what they say on the tin I mean not that you don't get that in lots of other places in the world but I do think this is a real hotbed for that
1: yeah you can reinvent yourself here there's a lot of anonymity and you can turn up and just be who you you want to be Mm. which can work because you may actually end up turning up as yourself
0: who would you like to be?
1: um if you could be anyone i'd like to be me <laughs> finally well, that's lucky because you are i know yeah and there's not much choice in this but but finally i can say that like i, I don't i'm not yearn for anything outside or beyond me i'm i'm one of the things i've learned in Ibiza is to love myself that was absent prior to being here and through trial and tribulation and loneliness and sadness and all sorts of emotional turmoil i've understood that within is everything that i need and everything we need all the love all the or the company all the inspiration all the um encouragement if you generate that inside you get to keep that that's sustainable That's a good model rather than um relying on it externally which is what i came with you know and i think a, a lot of us seek approval and um, support from from outside, but Ibiza has shown me to love myself. Hence the not drinking, and um, and following my dream, following my bliss, listening to what's in my heart rather than what my head thinks I should be doing, and and, and how I. Mm, yeah, how how my ego wants things to be. But so I'm gonna to, I'm gonna
0: share something that maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. Go for it. About you. Oh, uh, <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. So you you left Ibiza. You told me because you were very very lonely, and you sad. left here. Sad. You As were well. feeling sad. Yeah. So my question, I suppose, if you had found all this self love within, and you were you know falling in love with yourself and behaving in a way that was conducive to your happiness and and expanding your Way of being. What? Why did you want to leave Ibiza? Why did you not feel that this was the place for you to live forever? Because you don't Great live here question. anymore.
1: do you? No. <clears throat> Great question, Joe. Well, I, after having been here three years, I um, I experienced uh, in the in the winter of two thousand fourteen sadness, and I'd never experienced it before. It was, a, I I felt it, but I hadn't experienced it. It was very powerful, and it wasn't depression. I've not had depression, fortunately. Um, And I had been training as a coach, so I was becoming more and more aware of my emotional and psychological states and being a a, a, a compassionate observer of what was going on. And um, and what I figured out, what I realised was, even though I had a lot of loving friends here, um, there's something about me that needs to love others to then feel um, love. So some people are amazing at receiving love and others at giving it and we need each other and we're equal. And I was missing my mum and dad and my sisters and my brother and my best friends and my community. And what it was is I just didn't have this outlet. I didn't have people to pour my love into. So there wasn't this um, reciprocal...
0: Why do you not think there's a lot of people here to pour your love into? I mean,
1: as you just explained, there's so many people here. Yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely sure, Joe. I mean, the, the, I've been very fortunate um, to have met some beautiful people that I call dear friends. But back then, I just didn't have the depth of emotional connection with them. To um,
0: do you think it's hard to create and formulate a friendship circle here that's as uh, valuable and intrinsic as the one that you have back home?
1: Um, well, family's an important part, so you can't replicate that if they're not here. But Deep, profound friendships, yeah, I have them. I consider you one, and I have many others. So you can, it depends on uh, yourself, really. You generate your friendships, you generate your connections, you're responsible 100% for the love in your life. So if there's a lacking, an absence of it, then um, fortunately you can generate it. But I needed, it was a wonderful thing to have the experience of sadness because now, as a coach, I can... Connect and empathise with people on a level that I never could before, because I just wouldn't have had a reference for sadness. But now I can be with people's and there's a lot of it, Joe. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of disconnection. There's a lot of sense of uh, aloneness, and I can be with it. I can comfortably sit with somebody as they have that experience, and that is, to me, the most extraordinary gift. And I'm fortunate and grateful that that happened. But then also, words. I leave. I left because the island was too small. Got island fever and I had big plans and big ambitions global ambitions and uh, on the island um, it was very quiet in the winter and I needed I needed some real stimulation and London is so vibrant and energised and just so much fun
0: before we talk Mm. about why you left exactly and and um, what you found when you got back to London like what um, this loneliness thing let's go back to that quickly because um, one of the people types of people or Lovely, wonderful individuals that we're trying to reach out to through this podcast is is people suffering from loneliness um, or depression or anxiety or young mums that are just you know exhausted from lack of sleep and lack of support. So we're trying to get people like that to, to come on these free retreats that we're offering um, through our website, the dot com, and we are not getting a lot of hits now. I don't think, you know, I think loneliness is is one of the most <clears throat> tragic, painful. I mean, loneliness can kill people. You know, loneliness and disconnection are killers, you know, of this of this modern day world, like lack of community and lack of love, um, which is why you do what you do. We're going to hear about in two sex. But I just feel like this is not something that's talked about enough. This loneliness, this feeling of you might have millions of friends, you might have a, a great little, you know, uh, series of people around you, but maybe you just don't feel connected enough mm. like to them to be able to be as happy as you could be. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, people who are single, people who are without children of a certain age, people who have gone through breakups recently, and I think this loneliness thing is very, very difficult. Well, I I, found this really beautiful book at the airport just before I went to India. I'd just been through a breakup at the end of last year, and um, I found this wonderful book, and it was by a lady called Rupi Kour, um, Kaur, K-A-U-R, um, and it one of the things that it says about... one of. The, so I was flicking through it at the airport and it was pictures. I think it wasn't at the airport. It was at Waterstones before. I was looking for some books to take with me. And this book... She's there, sort of a poet... Uh, a poet... Um, a, poetry, um, a poet. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> and <Poetist>. um, <laughs> A poetrist. A poet size. Uh, anyway, whatever she was, she's excellent. And you can find her on Instagram. She's amazing. But she had this one picture. And I can't remember what the picture was, but it just said, Loneliness is a dire need. you to spend time with yourself and I could never understand that uh quite a few years ago when I arrived here but what I always do every year is go for a month or two or three in India and what I do do in India is I don't really I I hang out with a lot of people in the evening but in the daytime I'm basically on my own all the time I wake up in the morning I go for a four five six hour walk on the beach I spend the day chilling out and doing all the things that I love to do and then I see my friends in the evening for dinner and I have a little bit of social time. Sometimes I see people in the daytime, obviously, but this walk thing is, is crucial for me. And the more I get to know myself and spend time with myself and be alone with myself, I fall back in love with me, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing in, in there that I don't really like at all. Mm. And in fact, I really love spending time on my own. I, I adore it. And it's so true. Once you really, really, really spend time like on your own, completely alone, there is something wonderful about really enjoying your own company. And when I come back to Ibiza, I'm like, right, I'm not going to overstimulate myself. I'm not going to go out so much. I'm not going to be around people so much. I'm not going to constantly be with people because then I shut down this thing that I have with myself and then I become, I do become lonely through my over um, connection to other people. I then lose sight of myself and somehow in that I get lost and then I get disconnected. Then I feel lonely again. Even though I've got all these wonderful friends and I'm going out all the time, I feel really lonely. And I think that is the weirdest thing about being here which I just wanted to mention because we've never talked about this loneliness thing before. And I think it's a theme for a lot of people here. It's not just me. It's a lot of people. And that's the weirdest thing because this is the most sociable island
1: in the world. Mm. <clears throat> so it sounds like you lose yourself when you get back and you, you disconnect from that sense of self. And that's what causes your, your sense of loneliness. It's almost like you're a bit lost away from yourself. Well, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, Joe. Um, and what I, dis- I realised was, um, even though I might feel lonely at times, I'm not alone. And, and that, to me, is fundamental in knowing that there's always somebody there that if I want to hug or if I want to have a coffee with or I just want to share something with, there's always people around. It's, it's up to me to go and pick up the phone and say, hey, Joe, fancy going for a coffee? And and then creating connection, and um, and ensuring that you know us us humans we we're basically just quite gorgeous apes, and 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 <laughs> <laughs> particularly you, Joe. <laughs> I shaved my legs and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we um we we need our tribe. We need our pack. We need we need. Uh, you know, to groom each other and so much as the grooming's like just the, the being the physical presence, the touch these things are, as animals these are essential parts of our existence and so there's, there's there seems to be a lot less opportunity for people to spend quality time with each other and, and time that's meaningful rather than just fleeting or um, you know, the classic thing is seeing a bunch of young people at a table in a restaurant and they're all on their phone and it's like, <clears throat> I, I get that, it, it, I'm not complaining about that, but I can see that they're not looking at each other's eyes, they're not seeing each other. And that, and there's something we need as as these entities, these human entities, we need each other, we need to see each other's eyes, we need to feel each other's heartbeats and and uh, and skin and, and be, be in each other's presence. Our system needs it, it's like vitamins and minerals. And there's a deficiency. And we have a ministry in the UK now for loneliness because it's killing tens of thousands of people every year, particularly old people. And so there is a, a need for us to um, start to change our focus. And I've got this prediction, which is um, I think in future we're going to be mindful and and focused more on healing um, as, as an economy where our, our attention is going to be on um, healing the environment because we've just dumped so much toxic crap into it and have transformed it and it needs to be cleaned up it needs to be healed otherwise we're not likely to be able to survive here and also uh, with people everybody I know I've never met anyone who isn't apart from maybe (coughs) um, the Dalai Lama but most people are traumatized things that have happened in the past have hurt them badly and they haven't been dealt with, and so they cause ongoing issues and challenges in their lives, in the quality of their existence. And when we bump into each other, and then we kind of like um, affect each other with our own uh, emotional pain. And I, and I'm I'm understanding with Ibiza with, with the practitioners who work here have the most incredible tools to help people connect to that trauma and then get it healed and get it uh, taken care of. And I think Ibiza it seems is leading the way globally as a centre for people to come and just deal with the stuff that hurts inside. And again, it's not something that is often spoken about. It's not mainstream at the moment, but I think in future it's going to become more and more something where um, people are going to identify that there is something causing them to feel disturbance on an ongoing basis, just as their general quality of life. And then there's people they can go and see, practitioners, who do all sorts of uh, amazing things, can help them get through um, whatever it is that's causing them suffering. Just like if you broke your leg, you go go and see a doctor and you get it healed. We've got all this emotional uh, wounds that need healing. And people like uh, Gabor Mate. Is really at the forefront of us understanding uh, destructive and addictive behaviours, and the cause being trauma, things that happen to us when, particularly when we're young, and we don't have the sophistication and the tools in order to process what's happening to us. So my own instance was growing up in a pub. um, Basically, like in our front room, there were the worst degenerates you could imagine. For um, for miles around, would come into our home and get blasted drunk and fight and do all sorts of awful things and so seeing that being around that seeing my dad getting pummeled by men you know in, in basically in our house uh seeing people uh attack each other with bottles and tables and all sorts on a frequent basis for a seven eight year old child it's that's quite a difficult thing to process and to deal with and i understand that it's, it has repercussions later on in life and i've dealt with those things but um what I didn't know was that I had stored them up um in my breathing I would go into freeze motion uh, I couldn't fight and I couldn't flight when these uh, inc- uh incidences were happening so I would just freeze and throughout my life I had this shallow breathing which was caused by that early uh, trauma and then I got it healed while I was here in Ibiza and now I can take a lung for <laughs> and I learned to breathe and that helps me in all sorts of ways whenever I feel physically disturbed by some sort of like emotional uh, anxiety that's occurring or some sort of uh, anything at all, really. I, I know now how to breathe into uh, whatever's going on and bring myself back to a state of calm. Did you do breath work? Um, no, I did, um, uh, I did a medicine healing and the medicine showed me uh, that's what happened. And it, With what kind of medicine? Um, it's, it's called Bufo bufa al- alvarius it's um it's from a toad which um comes from uh the sonora desert in mexico and the key ingredient is um dmt and uh five <laughs> okay DAT, yeah dmt and um <clears throat> and it and it, it, it the purpose of uh of this process was was to heal was to was actually to find my voice um which which means i accepted your invitation to do this uh podcast uh, i wouldn't have done it previously and um and that was one of the things that it showed me it showed me that i had stored this um, in my muscles around my lungs and underneath my ribs and it um it, it seemed to have taken hold of it and and uh got rid of it for me and so so everybody wherever i go you know i'm i'm hypersensitive and i can feel people's pain i can sense um, the, the disturbances that they have in their systems, and and everybody has them, and what I'd like is for people to to get themselves to somewhere like Ibiza, and get on the deck, do yoga, get connected to that emotional store of pain and trauma, and then get it de- dealt with, get it healed. Because the thing is, so much of that stuff turns up in relationships, which is my my passion, and. Um, what's amazing is we now have the tools to help people connect to the, 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 the baggage, the wounds the things that disturb them that they then bring into their relationships which cause havoc and this is um, you know, the island is, is really quite the centre of the universe for me in um, what's on offer for people to get healed and, um, and to make a difference
0: I'm going to um, switch from this um, particular recording device. You've got 35 seconds of space remaining. Mm. We will switch onto my telephone right now, but um, I'm glad that you think that Ibiza is the centre of the universe for um, that type of healing, and that's, um, yeah, that's beautiful. So we need to hear more about your World of Love project. Let me just... Um, Super. Yeah, we'll just change over. Um, Yeah, we're back. Um, We were talking about Ibiza being the centre of the universe for healing and for dealing with trauma and fixing pain and attacking problems that probably lurk beneath the surface of most of us, even if we don't think we've got anything to to work on or to sort out or to rectify. Um, Yeah, I think all of us carry around a certain element of baggage in this world. So talk, I'm, I'm still here with Vincent, we're still here. It's getting a little bit warmer now the sun is fully up in the sky and we've got about another half an hour i reckon before uh, we start sort of cooking like two vampires just let out of (laughs) dc10 um so tell us why you this world of love project this is why you left ibiza to, to kind of get really into the heart of this and so i'm intrigued as to why you decided to leave the island to to get stuck into this fully um, and,
1: and what it is actually, just tell us what it is. Well, it actually, um, <clears throat> I, I left Ibiza um, and had these grand amb- ambitions to uh, establish my coaching practice in London, which I did. But while I was there, I was, I was uh, wanting to find my niche and I was dealing with this, I was thinking about this, this philosophy um, that I'm kind of cultivating for myself and I was considering uh, just life and existence and the fact that um, I, I've been born into paradise Earth is paradise. It's the most extraordinary existence we could, we can't even imagine if we want, if we tried to to exist, uh, to to create somewhere as as magnificent as planet Earth. And I'm born with this body that has like a trillion cells that are right now computing in the most stupendous orchestration imaginable. And I haven't done anything to contribute (laughs) to either of those things. So somehow I got here. So there is this, I say, God of my understanding has put together. This entire universe such that you and I can sit here right now and have this conversation and people at home can be listening to this podcast it's just stupendous beyond measure and I was just thinking about um, given all the gifts that I've been given uh, and and the the characteristics and the traits that I have um, I was thinking really if, if, if say there was God and he was like Father Christmas but all in white sitting on a cloud and he called me up and he said right Vincent 45 years now son what have you done with your life? I would be left wanting. I really would have nothing to say. Well, actually, I've taken all these gifts you've given me, all these talents, and I've orchestrated them in such a way that you know, I've, I've, I've made a contribution to the, to the world. And, um, and then I thought, well, I really wanna organize my life so that for the next 45 years, I actually endeavor to do something that um, <clears throat> ultimately just improves the quality of ex- of existence for humanity that would be just just an incremental change I just want to lift up uh, the, the consciousness of humanity just a degree if I could do that that would be amazing and then I was trying to find my niche I was at an event and I, I couldn't quite connect to what type of uh, coaching I was wanting to really put my heart into because I was doing life coaching relationship coaching and enterprise coaching and then um, I had this God's metaphor again, and I thought, okay, so if, I, if, if God had asked me, Vincent, I'm gonna take care, It's gonna do me en- give me an offer, I'm gonna take care of everything. All the, all the money worries, all your considerations, all your resources, everything. Everything's taken care of. In exchange, you will commit to do one thing, and one thing only for the rest of your life. What would you like to do? And what came up straight away was just working with a couple. And the idea of just sitting there, uh, and helping them to figure out themselves and the dynamic in their relationship and then just to, to create a loving connection. And if I did that every day, all day, for the rest of my life, I would be delighted. That, to me, would be a very happy existence. And it, and the, the feeling was, what a gift that would be. And then I knew, okay, this is my calling. This is where my attention should be going because this is what, what lights me up most. And then, I was at a networking event, and um, I realised that what I wanted to do was um, spend time bringing together all of the best resources that I've discovered um, about love and relationships. Since I, since I was a kid, I've been fascinated by interpersonal relationships, and I'm super romantic, and I'm super loving, and I'm, I'm uh, really interested in how love arises and and its dynamics. And I've collected of thousands of resources I'm like a sponge just soaking up anything that relates to to relationships and I found the most unbelievable tools and resources to help people find love and and keep love and and help it thrive and it's people like um, Byron Katie who's created this uh, process called The Work which helps people Identify whether the beliefs that they have and the, the thoughts that they have are true So so often when I'm working with people they're telling me how they see the world and in no time at all I can have that disappeared because it doesn't it's not predicated on reality It's predicated on I believe what I'm thinking and I believe what I'm seeing, but I'm not questioning those things and so So often with my work if I can just teach people to use this tool which is called the work um, it can help them get to reality and then from there they can make sense of what's happening and and move forward but the thing is so many people have never heard of Byron Katie and they don't know about the work but it's transformational in how people relate to each other their parents their children their their husband their wives their brothers sisters their all sorts of connections and what I wanted to do was to bring the very best of these resources together onto into one website and then just direct people to go there. And if they needed support or help in a certain area, they could find the resources that would make a difference. And so the World of Love was born. And then on this networking event, somebody suggested I do a crowdfunding campaign, which I did, and, um, and that gave me the funds to be able to come back to Ibiza this winter and just spend three months building the, the website and putting together the World of Love. And then out of that, Joe, um, came this, uh, uh, desire also to to basically, I, I would like to contribute to humanity in a way that's meaningful to me and is reflective of who I am. It, it reflects my values, and um, I, I one of my highest values is adventure, and so uh, I, I love uh, movement, I love travel, and I love excitement, and I love to be doing something, being busy with um, what's next, and um, <clears throat> I also had this uh, this idea that. I'd I'd like to know what love is, and the way to do that is to go and look for it. And the place to look for it is across the globe. I wanna know what love Love is. (laughs) I want you to show me. (laughs) Sorry, that just came into my head. And so I'm embarking on this rather grand uh, project to go and visit uh, planet Earth, basically every country in the world, and. And find out, in each country, the essence of love within that community. And that's that, the culture, the art, the stories, the legends, the, the fables, the, the music, the, 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 the poetry. And, and how, how that community, that country, feels and consider, considers love and, and uh, intimate relationships. An example of that is that in the Middle East, love is considered a spirit that comes to visit you. And I just love that idea that they have i've never heard that before but that's how that community considers love it's like something that it's something that comes to visit you and it stays for as long as it stays and then it either stays or it leaves and what i'm clear on is that around the world there's these unique takes on on love and i've given myself 15 years to travel the globe (laughs) (laughs) okay yep and um and basically i'm gonna do a love audit so I'm basically going to take a, a reading in each, each country and, and record uh, in each, each country that I visit uh, what I discover about love and at the end of it write a book which is called The World of Love and basically just have like a recording uh, or, t- or take a reading of what love means to humanity in the 21st century and leave that. as as a record for Mm. for future generations until some other crazy kid decides to uh, take on a similar project and then there's a comparison Mm. and we can can get a... um, Do you think
0: books will still be in existence Mm. in 15 years' time?
1: I do, yeah. I think we'll we'll pretty much always have books.
0: You can have a YouTube channel and uh, an Instagram account and all that rubbish. Yeah,
1: yeah, indeed. What I want to do is everywhere I go and I'm connecting with with the art, etc., I want to share that with a global audience and and by doing that, I'm, I'm hoping to take people's attention towards love and away from fear. so away from Donald Trump, away from brexit, away from you know conflicts, away from uh, division and into um, into love, into connection, into interpersonal uh, contribution. And if I can just do that enough, just in one, in one moment in a morning I might just grab somebody's attention and bring them into this realisation that love is a universal force and that we, we we all thrive on it and that might just make the difference in their day rather than tuning into something hateful or fear based in the morning and then that impacting how they are with their kids or how they are with their partner or, or how they are in the world and it's it's just kind of like it's, it's a battle of, of attention and bringing people into a light consciousness and away from uh heavy dense fear-based consciousness and then i love I'll, it thanks and then and then also just and then just sharing with people the tools that make a difference in falling in love and staying in love because we um it's, it's a language that we we learn it's a set of skills and the more skills that you have the better you're able to deal with the challenges that arise and i want to share them with with the world
0: a beautiful project I absolutely yeah I really love it that's really gorgeous and um, definitely something that we all could benefit from without a doubt and there's a lot of uh, well I mean the only language in this world is love that's the only thing we ever understand
1: so it's it's the the heart is the most prominent symbol wherever I go especially in Ibiza yeah in London everywhere I go you'll see more hearts than any other symbol it's just you know it's, it's who we are and there's not, there's just not a love, uh, enough of it at the moment,
0: hmm.
1: as we as we alluded to earlier. with, with this I'm loving you because these grapes are
0: go- absolutely widest. outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Like some of the best grapes I've ever eaten. My love for you has grown exponentially in the aftermath. Oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> I think I'll have one too.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, you know, hearts are everywhere, and, and particularly in Ibiza, and there is these, there's an explosion of these annoying shops with, you know, hearts and... You know all these kind of cheesy. Yeah, I mean, great, great for that. Bit cheesy, but then you just think, well, is it bad to have these lovely little reminders in the home or in all the places that people are buying them and putting them and yoga Mm. studios and toilets and wherever they are being put? Is um, you know there isn't enough reminders that we need to up our game in the love stakes um, for sure. And I think it's um, it's it's very it's a very complicated. emotion and as i've said before on this podcast and i will probably many more times is that feeling is um is very difficult it's a difficult thing to do and um we're not really taught you know from a young age how to cope with our emotions and how to fully explore them and i think um any boys i just think humans in general i think humans in general i think it it it's um it's a struggle to get to grips with these things sometimes and um any you know knowledge and um, skill set that you, you can bring into existence through your project is, is never going to be a bad thing making humans more able and capable to express themselves and tune into emotions and feelings and, and connect is, is never going to be it's, a bad thing, yeah. it's an amazing thing I, it, think, it you're, uh, I think you're um, doing a wonderful
1: thing you know I reference boys because my own experience is like boys get like, one emotion and that's anger they're allowed to have that and then everything else is like man up you <clears throat> know you're, not, you're not kind of you're not led to explore your emotions when you cry or to stop you're not allowed to cry so it's an emotion you're not allowed to have
0: isn't that your experience because I don't think that that's true of all boys I think I, that you I, know look at the, the boys that grew up in Ibiza I mean oh, there's a lot the of very blessed and kids over now, here
1: uh, so my, my, our good friend Alex um, is raising a beautiful boy, Dexter, and this boy is going to be raised with incredible emotional intelligence. And, and so the, the, the current generation, there's a, a, a rising in consciousness, which is which is healthy. But I think of it like, um, if, if it's a very limited emotional range, it's a bit like watching a black and white TV, and you're denied access to the IMAX cinema with its incredible screens, incredible rich colour, its diverse sound. It's like that difference between... Um, not being able to access and, and and be with and experience these emotions that it's like they're happening but you, there's a denial they're pushed down and it causes all sorts of problems um, in all sorts of areas of our lives so the, the, the raising of emotional intelligence um, I think is vital for our survival
0: I couldn't agree more I think that actually leads us on to a unfortunately wrapping up this podcast because um we have hit the hour mark oh. we are at 60 minutes which oh look yeah we're beeping it's over sure why that went off, <laughs> it's been really just an absolute pleasure and a joy to have you here with us and um in true tradition of this podcast and um, there's always a little element of giving back which is precisely what you're doing anyway but um how would you like to service our wonderful Group of listeners.
1: I would like to work with somebody one to one as a love and relationship coach. They can be single or they can be in a relationship, and I'll work with them for three months for free as a gift to Reset Rebel. Aww. And so the uh, entry level is if you're just wanting some support, you wanting somebody to work with to help you get to where you want to get to, if you want to fall in love or stay in love, then we'll work together to make that happen.
0: Vincent Closie, what a generous man you are. That's very, very kind of you. Thank you very, very much. My pleasure, be um, The way to get in touch if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you think that you would like to have a little bit of coaching from this man uh, is on just the good news, please at gmail.com. And you can also go and check out our website, theresetrebel.com, for all of the other wonderful gifts that we do have to give away here on this show and this platform. And um, we're just not getting enough people applying. Maybe you don't think you're worthy. Maybe you don't think that you uh, hit the criteria, um, but you're wrong. Or you must know, but somebody that does. So recommend a friend. Share this podcast. Share the love. Share the Vincent. Um, <laughs> He's, there's, there's plenty of him to go
1: round, I can yeah, assure you. Yeah, put a friend forward.
0: Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do something for somebody else today and share this podcast with them and see if they fancy some time with Vinny. Because I tell you what, he's a clever man, if you hadn't noticed that already. And um, he's got a lot of love to give and a lot of love to share. And um, he's, a, he's a beautiful human. We love him dearly. Thank you, Vincent, for joining us here for Sunrise and the sparkling ocean in the distance. I'm absolutely roasting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's time to go. It is. I would like to leave uh, the listeners with one thought, and that is no matter what's going on in their lives, no matter what they're facing, no matter who they're facing it with, love is always the answer. And if they go with love, they will always benefit in the long term more than any other option available to them. Bye well, bye. Oh, I love leave. you. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you <tell> me. <laughs> We're going to have a hug now.
0: Oh, we are. Oh. oh. <laughs>